Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. talk about today is called The Greatest Love, which is a 2011 drama. And uh, it's written by Hong Miran and Hong Jung-un. They're collectively known as the Hong Sisters. And they've written numerous hits like My Girlfriend is a Nine-Tailed Fox or Kumiho. They wrote Master's Son, which is a great show, and Hotel Del Luna with IU. That would be the most recent show they've written. They also wrote a really bizarre TV show called Big, which came out in 2012. It's about an 18-year-old high school kid who switches bodies with a 30-year-old man. Uh, the man is played by Kong Yu, and uh, he stars alongside uh, Yi Min-jung, Yi Min-jung, who um, you've seen her in Boys Over Flowers. Uh, I find her to be a very underwhelming actress. Uh, pretty face, but I don't think she's a very good performer. She's also married to Yi Byung-un, who I'm pretty sure gave her a couple strains of HPV. But I'm just speculating. I don't know if that's true or not. Look, whatever. The man's a pervert, okay? I, That's right. I said it. He's a pervert. Moving on. What I love about The Greatest Love is that it stars Kong Hyo-jin, who I am a huge fan of. I love Kong Hyo-jin so much. Like, She's considered like the queen of romantic tv comedies she's been in like quite a few k-dramas that i just so happen to be a huge fan of you know i i think she's a an amazing performer uh she has an immense range you know she's similar to son yejin in that regard she has quite a range she's very versatile and she she's she can do like very grave kind of serious dramatic roles but she also plays comedic roles quite well uh, which is what she's doing in The Greatest Love uh, but she maintains a consistency to her screen presence which is you know soft-spoken but not too quiet she's not like a an annoying mousy kind of quiet. Hong Yujin also has a very small frame which is partially the reason why she had a career in modeling but uh, she also has a very commanding presence on screen which I really appreciate uh, and she did a few movies as well, and she's very good in those films. Um, Kong Yujin's specific talent, I would say, is crying, like on cue. She's very good at that. Whenever she's crying on screen, I happen to be crying as well because she's just like when she cries, it just looks so sad. <laughs> and I just find myself crying alongside with her. The other thing I adore about The Greatest Love is Cha Seung Won, who plays the character Dokko Jin. Okay. He plays this bratty superstar kind of character. And Cha seung um, he's known for like a lot of melodramatic roles in films particularly. Uh, but this is a TV show. Cha seung made me laugh so much on this show. Like his reactions to some of the scenarios that he's in, especially when like Kuo Jung saves his name on her phone as like Dongko Jin. Like Dongko means butthole in Korean. Like that cracks me up, you know? And it's partially the reason why the Hong sisters make his name Tokkojin, because Tongkojip is also like a word that's similar to Tokkojin, right? Tongkojip means like stubborn as shit. 
you know, that's that's what tonkoji means. So it's got these, um, uh, I, how do you say, alliteration, you know, close homonyms of sorts. Uh, in 2013, the Hong sisters wrote another TV show called Master's Son that also stars Kong Hyojin, but she's with Soji Sup, you know, one of my one of my favorite um, pieces of eye candy of all time. You know, Soji Sup, he doesn't really play comedic roles often. Uh, so in that, in Master's Son, I found Soji Sup really trying to copy or emulate Cha Seung Won's mannerisms and delivery from The Greatest Love, which was really annoying to watch and a little bit disappointing to see. Like, in fact, like that kind of ruined the show for me, even though like I like the show very much. I mean, like, Switch is super hot. Like I could, I could watch him all day. I mean, he, he can annoy the shit out of me. I'll still, I'll still look at him. It's fine. The Greatest Love also stars Yuinna, who plays Kue Jung's former girl group member. Uh, you've seen Yuinna in The Goblin course right she plays the chicken restaurant owner and friend to Chiunta. and her character is in love with yun pichu who is played by yun gesang who was part of the old school k-pop boy group called god okay he's been acting in korean tv dramas and films since like mid 2000 like 2004 basically um, the most recent performance you've seen him in is probably chocolate that Netflix TV drama, which, as I mentioned, is absolute crap. I think it sucks. I mean, you can go see it if you like watching Hajiwan cry, like in every single episode. I think Yoon Gesang's a pretty decent actor. You know, he's okay. By the way, if you don't know the band GOD, that means you're very young, uh, but you probably know Park Jun Young or Jun Park or Jun Young. Yeah, he's uh, he's the rapper on GOD. And um, you know he's a kyopo, he's a chemi kyopo, meaning he's like a an Amer like a Korean American, like Korean American diaspora. Um, he's in this variety show that Netflix started to stream a few months ago, which I can't watch because it looks like it'll give me a headache. But um, yeah, Park Jun Young's in that, and I'm a big fan of Park Jun Young's personality. I think he's pretty hilarious. Um, I especially liked him in episodes of My Little Television, season one. Speaking of variety shows, I felt like this was a major theme on The Greatest Love. What you have to understand is that K-pop stars can't really sustain a long career. Like the only exception is like Shinwa. <laughs> They're a huge exception. They've been around for like two decades, if not more. Most K-pop stars end up branching out into other careers like acting. Okay, like Yoon Gesang being a case in point. IU is another example. SES's uh, Yujin is another example. There are many, many examples like this. Many K-pop stars end up becoming actors. But K-pop stars aren't always able to act for TV and film. Like they either don't, don't have the face, they don't have the, the persona, whatever it is, like they can't do it. So what those um, K-pop stars end up doing is they end up making variety shows. Okay, they make, make variety show appearances. Like Huang Guangyi from the boy band Zaya, he's one example, right? Like he was on Infinite Challenge towards the latter end of Infinite Challenge, right before he went to serve his conscription duty in the military. He's also uh, been a co-host on numerous variety shows. I think he's still a co-host today now that he's back from his service. Jung Jun Young uh, was another example of this. He had a long career on Two Days, One Night on KBS before he was removed from the show for his criminal charges. And you see this in a lot of models, too. Quite a few Korean models end up pursuing a career in acting. Cha Seung-won is one example. Switches Up is another example. Song Seung-won is another example. 
And there are other models who end up pursuing a career in variety shows like Chang Yunju. She's one big example. Han, Ye,、uh, Han Hye Jin is another example of a model who has a variety show career. She used to be on I Live Alone for a while, but she left the show right after she and Chun Hyun Moo、uh, broke up.、Um, and so it goes. In fact, I read that Chun Hyun Moo is currently dating、um, an SBS news anchor who's like 20 years younger than he is. Uh, which is gross.、Um, I know I'm being judgy, but whatevs, okay? It's gross. You're a cradle rocker. It's gross. I really enjoyed The Greatest Love's ability to integrate some Korean variety show gimmicks, right? Like they, they put it into the performance, they put it in as sound effects. They use a lot of slapstick moments, and Cha Sung Hun makes some really hilarious faces throughout this program. The show even has Cheong Joon-ha co-starring in it as Koo Hye-jung's older brother slash manager.、Uh, Cheong Joon-ha is, of course, a variety show icon. He was on the, the, long, the very long-running show、uh, Infinite Challenge, which stopped running, I believe, in 2018. But he was a, a member on that show for a very long time. And Dokgu Jin's manager is named Jae Seok. And that You know, for anybody who knows about Korean TV, like, you know, Yu Jae-seok is a huge name in the variety show game, right? He's like the, the variety show host and comedian in contemporary Korea. So they, there are all these little intertexts、um, that kind of harken towards Korean variety shows and Korean comedy in, in some way throughout The Greatest Love. In fact, while this show was filming, the members of Infinite Challenge made fun of Cheong Joon-ha a lot, like throughout, <laughs> throughout the filming process. Like whenever Cheong Joon-ha would show up late or if he couldn't do a certain thing, and, and he would say that it's because he's filming this drama, like they would always give him shit about it. Like they started calling him the shoulder appearance because whenever there's like a close up shot of Kong Hyo Jin, like his shoulder would be like in the frame. So they called him the shoulder guy. <laughs> so funny. I miss Infinite Challenge so much. Like I wrote an entire 70 page chapter about Infinite Challenge in my dissertation. And I really hope you can all read about it someday. I just need a, a university press to buy my dissertation and turn it into a book. So please do that. So that the people can read it. Today, we're going to talk to one of my favorite local comedians ever. Her name's Kimberly Clark. She's been on Lopez Tonight as well as NBC's The Last Comic Standing. She's so funny. She's so genuine. She's a great joke writer and an overall beautiful mind. So let's talk to Kimberly Clark.、Um, you, uh, you grew up in Syracuse, right? Mm hmm. That's, yep. that's wild. I,、um, I'm also from New York.、Um, I didn't grow up in Syracuse, like not upstate, but I did go to high school in Rockland County. Do you know where that is? Uh huh. Uh huh.、Yeah. I've been through there. Yeah, that's、uh-huh. where I went to high school.、Yeah. Okay. So you went to a private school? No, it was a public school. All like Irish Americans, like all their fathers were like cops and firefighters, and all their moms were nurses. So. Interesting.、Mm-hmm. Did you have to commute though? Because you say you went to school in Rockland County. Well, I also lived in Rockland County. Like, oh, like, okay. Yeah. Okay. For high school, yeah.、Um, Is that close to New Jersey? Very close. It's like, yeah. Like, Ulta Pan was like right next to the town I lived in. So, okay. Jersey was super、okay. close. Yeah. How did, yeah. how did you like it in Syracuse? Girl, it was small. 
<laughs> it was it's like a it's a college town, you know. Everything revolves around yeah uh, the Syracuse Orange Men, the Carrier Dome. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's that's what was going on in Syracuse. That and uh, Carousel Mall, which is now Destiny Mall. Oh. It's like a huge indoor mall with a bunch of restaurants, entertainment, and you know, mm-hmm. I think they're trying to compete with Mall of America, actually. Yeah little bit it's that vibe but yeah. that's that's the type of place I grew up in. I mean I loved it um growing up you know because there are aspects of it that I miss mm. you know now that I'm here in LA like there are like a lot of mom and pop stores mm-hmm. you know we um lived up the street from this like fish restaurant and like we know the owner yeah. and I, I wouldn't even call it a restaurant because you didn't sit down in there like you actually just ordered your fish and it was just like a standing type place where you just get your stuff and you bounce uh-huh. but the food was like amazing like you know you get your fried cod oh. and your uh, fries to go with it yeah. and, I don't know. This is all all that stuff, you know. My my neighborhood was mostly Italian mm. and uh, working class. Yeah, you know, like the school you went to, firefighters, yep. <laughs> police officers. Yep. Um, yeah, that type of environment. Mm. It was cool though. Yeah, growing up, you know, as I got older, though, I was like, okay, we need to <laughs> we need to see some other things here. Yeah. And the winters are yeah. rough in Syracuse, aren't they? Yeah, that was one of the things that drove me out <laughs> was the winter. <laughs> Senior year in high school, um, it's funny because I had to commute to my school because uh-huh. I went to a private school. Mm. And um, I lived pretty far from the school, so I had to take the city bus into school. Wow. And I had to wake up crazy oh. earlier than my classmates. So I remember going to school, catching the bus, and then finding out when I got there that school was canceled because of the snow. Uh Oh my god! Oh, I was pissed. Oh, like I was pissed. Wasn't there a system where you could call in and they would leave like a message, like school is closed or something? Or you listen to the radio or you watch the news, basically. But they didn't announce my school by the time it was time for me to leave. So the weather had gotten worse by the time I got there. And um, thank goodness um, my physics teacher happened to be there and he gave me a ride home. But I swear to God, when I got there, I was like, oh, I'm leaving Syracuse. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that was the day I was like, oh, I'm I'm not gonna live here anymore. Yeah. So you left Syracuse? You know, I'm not... Uh-huh. Go ahead. Yeah, like, I, I'm okay with Syracuse when it's not snowing. Right. Like, I, I love it. But yeah. when, when that snow starts coming down, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be here anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> I just so for college, you go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Where'd you go? I went to uh, Arizona State. Oh, nice. Oh, so like... Yeah, I went from... Totally different. Extreme. Yeah. Extreme weather. <laughs> Yeah, snow to the desert. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. in 120 degree heat. Yeah, when I said God. I didn't want to see the snow anymore, I meant it. Lord. Yeah. Arizona heat is like intense heat. It's like delirious heat. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What did you study? It is. 
uh, broadcast journalism. My mm. minor was English literature. Yeah. I like the English literature part of my degree more than the, the main part. Yeah. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. I used to think yeah. I wanted to be a journalist too. Uh, but I ended up becoming an English major myself. And uh, it you, was. You went the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the right choice for me, I think. I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you like Arizona State? Was it a good fit? Culturally, not <laughs> particularly. <laughs> <laughs> the weather was great. You know, even though it was extremely hot, at least the winters were so mild. And, yeah. You know, I was happy to be out of that those terrible winters growing up yeah um and then the campus was gorgeous you know Mm -hmm. like I literally felt like I was like going to school at a resort Mm -hmm. you know like yeah going to like the rec center and like they had this thing called the palm walk where it was just these tall palm trees and this long walk to the rec center I mean it was beautiful you know I used to send pictures to my friends they're like we're so jealous (laughs) had a swimming pool at my dorm my dorm had a swimming pool yeah it was crazy child well Arizona's a party school for white people but uh, it's a party school for mm -hmm. sure I mean black folks party too but not like the white like they had two fraternity rows two fraternity rows Uh um when I was going there, sororities could not have sorority houses because in the state of Arizona, if a group of women live in one place, it was considered a brothel. Oh. <laughs> so, they, <laughs> so the sororities had dorms and they had their own floors. So the sororities just had dorm floors. They didn't have houses like the guys did. Oh my! Lord. And the guys had two fraternity rows, not one, two. Oh. <laughs> I cannot believe that that is the logic. That is so fucking out there. I can't believe it's Arizona. It's Arizona. I mean, yeah, but like, still, it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. That is so out there. Oh my god, Arizona is a crazy. Arizona is a crazy state. <laughs> Yeah. This is the first time I saw people with gun with guns, like gun holsters, because you know they yeah. can have guns there. And the state of New York is not like that. Yes. So that was very culturally shocking yes. to see these men in cowboy hats and like literally they had guns. Yeah. On their the whole waist. And I was just like, Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the whole open carry culture. I started listening to a lot of conservative talk radio when I lived out there too, because I just love to laugh. I I would just laugh and laugh. It was so entertaining because I did. I was not aware of this world. I didn't know what a militia was. I didn't know any of these things, and I was like, "Wow, I am so getting an education." I didn't know who Rush Limbaugh was. Yeah, I was like dang this is crazy I was like people really feel this way (laughs) I used to listen to it a lot Grace when I tell you a lot like I would never (laughs) miss a day wow and it was was purely it was like it was pure comedy for you though oh it was hysterical (laughs) 
What's like the funniest just, shit you heard? Well, I know, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot. He used to make up a song, like <laughs> making fun of people. And uh-huh. I was just like, oh my God, he's so <laughs> ignorant, but funny. I mean, he, I can see why he has like huh. ditto heads. That's uh-huh. what he calls them. Uh-huh. Um, because he's, you know, very charismatic and funny. He's still ignorant, but yeah. he's charismatic. There's a lot of, like, yes. ignorant, charismatic people out there. Yes, yes. It's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about being entertaining. And uh-huh. that's when they give you a camera crew and, all, and a radio show and all this. All you have yeah. to do is <laughs> be entertaining. It doesn't matter how fucking stupid you are or right. out there you are. Just be entertaining to the people. And you were one of his audience members. I fell into it. I <laughs> fell into the trap. I sure did it. Yeah. But your, like, your political ideologies remained left. Oh, yeah. Well, they have to. Yeah. I mean, you know, because everything they were saying was against. Huh. It, was, it wasn't about making me, my people better at all. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the ironic thing is like, you know, the leader of the Proud Boys, he's black Latino, you know, like. Is he really? I didn't know that. My gosh, Kimberly, it's the world is very much out there. Yeah. It's like it's like seeing a Dave Chappelle sketch come to life. I was going to say that. That's like the he's like the real life. uh, What is the guy's name? Brooksby. Yeah. The blind black KKK member. That's crazy. But, you know, we have that in California, too. Like, you know, Bakersfield is full of a lot of, you know, Latinx workers who are undocumented. Some of them, some of whom are documented, some of whom are citizens. A lot of them support Trump. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I saw some Trump flags around Burbank. Oh, <laughs> I see that around here too. Like, I go on this walk. I have this little route, and there's this one house that it's covered with Trump like paraphernalia, like covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time I walk by that house, like I feel a little unsafe, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they also have like Christmas decorations at the same time. I'm like, what's your message, like? <laughs> <laughs> Like, is this like a welcoming kind of place or a hateful place? Like, I don't know. I don't get it. But Conflict, the ventures for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Did you start comedy in Syracuse or in Arizona or in L.A.? L.A. I started in L.A. What led you to do that? It's funny. In college, though, I I was in a, a poetry group. Mm. and all of my poems were funny ironically yeah so I feel like that was kind of the start to being to going into that direction but I really technically started Uh stand-up in Los Angeles I think that's a that's a sensible kind of transition it makes a lot of sense to me you know I mean poetry Mm -hmm. I mean stand-up in a sense is poetry in a lot of ways I feel um it's got mm-hmm. rhythm and timing mm-hmm. so does poetry um who, yeah who are some of your favorite poets that's that's a good question um <laughs> like langston hughes oh yeah a lot 
Yeah. But you know, I wasn't a serious poet. That's the thing. I was like in this intense, very uh, politically minded, socially minded poetry group uh-huh. at Arizona State. And like, whenever I got up there, my poems were just like <laughs> jokes. Uh-huh. This is funny. Yeah. But I guess like it, it made me a good fit because it kind of was like comic relief from you know, some of the other themes and things that the others were talking about. I mean, I was, I was with a group of really talented people. Mm. But, um, have any of yeah. them gone on to have careers as poets? They're not, well, one of them actually, um, his name is HB. He's definitely like very active in the community in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Arizona. Like he stayed in Phoenix. He's originally from Chicago. Mm. But um, he's definitely known, like, locally. I think he still does poetry groups. Um, he actually started, like, this whole movement and, like, event of poetry night that kind of spun off from what we started in college, which was cool. And it went on for, like, a very long, like, a good 10 years. Wow. Like, wow, you know, like... yeah. You know, it all started with us. Um, I have a friend named Isis Jones. She's really, really an amazing writer. Um, Mm -hmm. She's working on a lot of projects and stuff, but she works in the nonprofit sector. Mm -hmm. She lives out here, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm actually consulting on a TV show that she's working on or she's writing. Mm -hmm. that's wild. And then Aaron, Aaron is the other guy that's in the group and he's pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Like he works, I think he works for like a nonprofit for like AIDS research. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's really smart, smart people. Yeah. And then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great and then there's me (laughs) i i think i think you're awesome i i love your comedy first of all like you kill me whenever you're up there i think your thank you jokes are hilarious you know they're always so thoughtful i think they're so well written i could see i could see that you you were rolling with the the poets back in the days because yeah i mean i think comedy is essentially writing right Mm mm-hmm for sure. Even if you're not like physically writing it, you're writing in your head, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you, um, what are you working on these days? Like now that, you know, we can't do shows and can't do this, can't do that. I know. Right. <laughs> I've been doing, <laughs> I've been doing zoom shows. Uh. Those are interesting, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Zoom shows here and there, but I've been writing on a TV show, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's like a clip show. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's not. It's not epi- It's not like an episodic show, but it's a clip show basically. Okay. Very easy to produce or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I've been writing on that, but we're on hiatus right now because of the holidays. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's fun, and the first time I've been staffed to yeah. write, so that's a cool thing. Oh yeah, Are you kidding? Uh, yeah yeah so that's really exciting and 
yeah just trying to stay active and, do they know. have like a writer's room like do you guys meet in a writer's room meeting and the, do you guys Vir like, a virtual yeah. virtual version yeah. but it's it's not the same you know i talked to someone who has written on several tv shows and he was telling me he said it's it's really not the mm -hmm. same as like being in a room mm -hmm. and really brainstorming i mean you know, we'll have like a meeting that's maybe about 45 minutes long and then it's kind of like, okay, go to your <laughs> computer and take the notes and, you know, come up with something, hmm. you know, but um, yeah, it's not the same vibe, but yeah, I've been a writer's PA too. So, you know, I kind of know what rooms are like too and, and I can see how someone who's used to that environment would kind of be like, well, this isn't really the full experience, right. you know, the full collaborative experience of writing yes. with a staff. Yes. It's amazing how, like, once the liveness is gone, you know, like person-to-person -person presence is gone, so many other things disappear with it. Even if we're trying to simulate that through Zoom, through video and audio, uh -huh. like zoom shows are nothing like you know a live show and uh -uh. a writer's room is nothing like an actual like a zoom writer's room is nothing like an actual writer's room where you sit in a room together have the snacks and the coffee and sit uh -huh. and talk and the riff. snacks <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the one thing i don't miss because it's like <laughs> hell to the no yeah. that when you get staffed you're also signing up for 20 pounds yeah they eat so much oh, yeah I, oh my <laughs> i worked for eat. um comedy bang bang years ago the tv okay. shows like the last season and like oh, cool. they like the writers would get the best food you know like oh yeah we would go pick them up like the best food from like tender greens like at least twice a day you know they got right. like bomb ass food. right and um yeah they were always well fed yeah yeah that's a big deal mm -hmm. the food <laughs> yeah writers always need to eat well so yeah you worked in quite a few production the first the very first tv set that i was on I was a page at mm -hmm. CBS. Oh, cool. So I was on a lot of shows like um trying to think of one off the top of my head. Price is right. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> um what is another one I did that was really good? Politically incorrect. Okay. With um I can't think of the comic's name. He used to be on SNL. Anyways, mm -hmm. yeah. Bill Maher's show used to be there. Wow. So it was basically just standing there like a statue. I mean, you really didn't, <laughs> we really didn't do much of anything. Yeah. Um, and then I was a PA on the Drew Carey show for the last two seasons. Oh, cool. What was that like? It was cool. Um, he's a cool guy. Yeah. You know, he's starting a stand up. Yes. He used to, yeah, he so. learned how to write jokes with, from a workbook is what I heard. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. That detail about him. Yes. Wow. That's how he started. He learned the formula of joke telling with a workbook. Mm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, he gave me tips because I had to drive him home once. Oh. 
And he told me to write 10 jokes a day. Mm. And he said to, when I do open mics, to start with something that I know works, mm-hmm. stick the new stuff in the middle mm. and end with something that I know works, mm. is what he told me. Sound advice. But I was like, 10 jokes a day. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. That's what I mean. Like It's because he has that discipline because he had that workbook. You know, so yeah. he has a little formula yeah. in his head, so it's easy for him to, or not easy. He just knows how to do it. Right. But I guess, yeah, your, your style of joke telling, it's like, it's very, it's very observational, you know, like you latch mm-hmm. on to something mm-hmm. and you keep digging in. So I think it's yeah. harder to do 10 jokes a day with something like that. I attempted yeah i i was like maybe up to five. Oh, that's still that. good yeah i i mean starting out you know you really don't know mm-hmm. what your voice is anyway right so right. i was yeah i had the judy carter book hmm. you know i did it did it all yeah you know trying to figure it out mm-hmm. but yeah that formula is very hard though 10 jokes a day Oof. <laughs> Art. That's intense discipline. Yeah. Do you yeah. Um, do you try and write every day or like what's your do you have like a ritual or a system? I I need to start doing that. I used to. Um uh-huh. now the way I come up with jokes is through conversation. I like having like these conversations. Yes. <laughs> like what we're doing. Yes. If uh something I say is funny that yeah. I see the other person react to, I write it down. Yes. Bookmark it and then I come back and try to develop it. Yes. Yeah. So most of my I would say eighty percent of my material comes from conversations mm-hmm. that I've had. Mm-hmm. And me just you know, things that have come out of my mouth naturally funny. Right. And working on that to present it for the stage. Mm-hmm. Work jokes, you can go on and on with these jobs, boy. The stuff that <laughs> that happens, it's just like, wow. Yeah. A wealth of material. Yes. People always told me, they're like, oh, I can't wait till you stop working these jobs and you can just do stand-up full-time. And then I'm thinking, dang, that's like a lot of my material. <laughs> that's my source of... I'm glad to be working, you know, like an entertainment job again, yes. but it was so cool working these regular jobs, yeah. with regular folk that don't care about Hollywood exactly, and just listen to like their life. It's just so, um, it's definitely rich. It is. It's and it's rich. genuine too. Like I remember, like I was, um, I think I watched your Lopez special, your tight five on the Lopez tonight and you talk about the Lady Jane cake? Yeah, that was real. <laughs> yeah, it sounded real. That was, oh my God. <laughs> this lady, she was acting like, I'm going to take you in and I'm going to show you the world. <laughs> At the Pacific Design Center, you know, it's like your your ghetto tongue has never tasted truffle in a pastry oh she was i'm one 
Grace, I used to work with some oh, interesting people. I used to work in a Pacific Design Center. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, that's just, that's a sitcom in itself. Yeah. It really, really is. It's, I, words can't even describe. And you, you already know this because you're in... Um, academia yeah. and it's kind of that same fabric of people yes you know there and no pun intended yes. i said fabric specific <laughs> design but um and also i worked at a museum too and uh-huh. that was that was crazy yes. the people there were just <laughs> insanely <laughs> oh i loved it though because i was like joke 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 <laughs> joke <laughs> Yeah, like when people are like so in their own bubble of like elitism and like she she oh. mentality, it's like it's like wow, like are you real? Like you're really you're yeah. really like this and they are. They really are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and they believe, girl, they believe everything they say. <laughs> it's crazy. The entitlement. I was like, wow. And I I got a taste of this too from going to a, a private school too. Mm-hmm. Oh my, I saw the craziest crap at the school, the high school I went to because, and I tell a joke about how like some of the mothers would come to the schools in fur coat. Oh, wow. I remember this lady mm-hmm. at my school, she worked at the school. She was like part of the board or something. Okay. So she was always on campus, but mm-hmm. she was, her daughter was in my class, mm-hmm. right? So I remember I had to see the biology teacher about something, Mm -hmm. but this girl's mom was in there and the door was shut. And I said, what is going on here? And I heard yelling. (gasps) This lady was cussing the teacher out for giving her daughter, get this, an A minus. She had on her full length (laughs) fur coat cussing the biology teacher out. For giving her daughter an A minus. I was like, is this? Oh my God. It was amazing. I was like, I can't believe this. Yeah, that is unbelievable. And she opened the door and walked out and looked at me and kept walking. I said, if I be down. What did the biology teacher look like when you walked in? Shut. <laughs> She looked shook. I was a woman. It's a female yes, biology a teacher. Woman. Oh God. Yes, Miss Dopira. God rest her soul. Oh. She passed away, but oh, and she was an elderly woman. No, she wasn't. She she was fairly young. She she passed away at a kind of younger oh, shade. No. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe this fur coated lady killed her. I don't know, but she she definitely stressed her that day. I was like, what? I never, Grace, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Ever. Yeah. You know, over an A minus. The thing is, A minus students usually are the ones that come over and want to have a talk with me about why they got an A minus. It's <laughs> it's never B plus students. It's never B minus. It's never C or D or F students. It's fucking A minus students who pull a me minus. aside to have a conversation. Why did I get an A minus? Yeah. I'm like, what are you teaching? Cinema and media studies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. It's like an A minus is an A minus. An A minus is a good grade. Like, you know, what's the problem? Yeah. But it's an A for crying out loud. It's a fucking A. Yeah. There might be a minus. Yeah. Just behind it, but like, yeah. Just put a fucking sticker over the minus if it bothers you so much. You know. <laughs> Like, just put your hand over it. Just cover it up. <laughs> like, I don't know. I should carry around, like, stickers just for that reason. If students come up to me and be like, Grace, why did I get an A- minus in this paper? It's like, oh, A-, minus. okay. Put a sticker right over it. It's like, there you go. How's that? You know, just to... <laughs> Does that make you feel better? Mm-hmm. Does this help? <laughs> you know, but I think it's just because... Um, you know, perfectionist people are like that, you know, which I get to an extent. Yeah. I got some perfectionist, um, you know, characteristics in me, too. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I understand it. But it's like nobody can help you if you're a perfectionist. You have to help yourself. You know, like. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's all you. <laughs> <laughs> that is all you. The world is not going to adjust to accommodate your feelings about an A minus no. ever. <laughs> It never will. It never will. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so pissed. I have a good Steve Martin story because mm-hmm. when I worked at the Pacific Design Center, yeah. um, Steve Martin came into the showroom, uh-huh. okay? And nobody came to get me. And previously, oh. I remember... They came to get me when there was this tall black man because they wanted me to identify him. And I said, I don't know who in the hell that is. And then when Steve Martin came, I hear about it after he leaves. I'm like, why didn't you guys get me when Steve Martin was here? Like this, (laughs) that is the person that I want to meet. People are weird, aren't they? They're so something like. I worked in uh, film distribution in New York for a number of years before moving to L.A. And my fucking boss, the CEO of the company, whenever he had a meeting with anybody remotely Asian, he would bring me he would like make me pop into the meeting just for like literally 30 seconds to a minute just to make a physical (laughs) facial appearance. I mean, this is is Grace. She's Korean, you know, And I'd be like, yes, I am the Korean person who works here. Nice to meet all of you. I have no idea what this meeting's about. I have no context. I, it's just like a freak show thing. It's like treating Crazy. treating us like token freaks of the company. Right. Good for just that, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Meanwhile, like, you know, he would he would have me like attend like dinners or like you know meetings like involving like korean films that the company would release but like like the korean films weren't even necessarily my favorite films at that company you know (laughs) (laughs) like there were some fucking movies i wanted to be a part of that i loved and it's just like no like grace wouldn't be cc'd in those emails you know it's just so dumb so dumb yeah i remember he like Uh. cut out he cut out literally like tore out a few pages from the New Yorker magazine. There was an article written about K-pop. I have like zero knowledge or interest in K-pop, <laughs> you know, and he like tore out the pages, stapled it and like left it on my desk. It's like, Grace, this is, I think you'll like this article. I was like, why? Really? Yeah. I was like, why would you, 
I was like, is it because is it because I'm Korean? Is it because I'm Korean? And and he like looked a little embarrassed, you know, because I was calling him out. But he made those kinds of mistakes like all the time, all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, this was the same guy who would say shit like, "I don't like to use the word foreign films because foreign films sounds xenophobic." So I like to oh, use God. the word international movies or international films. It's less xenophobic. I'm like, can you shut the fuck up? You're like, you're like xenophobic to me, your employee, every day, every day to my face, all the time. Why don't you start it's with like, that? You don't even know what xenophobia means. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know what it means? It's so crazy. Dumb. And that motherfucker, he has a PhD. Like he, he fucking, you know, very learned person. Very like, you know, mm-hmm. so of like. Course egotistical about how like cultured and learned he is and i was just like just sit down man (laughs) (laughs) like i I literally i quit that job because of him i literally quit because of him because some of the things that he said to me and i was just like i'm fucking done and oh my god during those two weeks like after i gave my notice Mm -hmm. i was like walking around the street just smiling like all the time You know, involuntarily grinning everywhere I went. Like, I had just gotten my wisdom teeth pulled. I didn't care. Uh Like, I was always smiling. Like, it felt so good, you know? That's hysterical. That's so funny. Yeah, I just... New York is interesting because people think, well, it's the North and, Mm -hmm. you know, people are so progressive Mm -hmm. up there, but it's a different type of racism. Yeah for sure that happens up there and it's just so um covert and so you know yes it just sneaks up on you i mean you'll be shocked like (laughs) and you can be in environments that that should be liberal and Uh you're just like whoa what is going on here (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's like oh i thought this was a safe place but no turns out there are knives everywhere yeah yeah well, and especially in academia, you know, like just the stories that I've read. Yes, it's, yeah. It's just so jarring. Some of the worst, know? some of the worst kinds of things happen in academia because it's, it's similar to what we were talking about. It's like these people think that they're woke, you know, they think they're, again, because they're educated, they're so knowledgeable. They think they're very left, very liberal, very woke you know, not susceptible to any mistakes or errors. And meanwhile, they got like bombs going off everywhere, like all around, you know? (laughs) And when you try and tell them about it, they are so in firm denial of it. They have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, how could I be when I am this cultured and this educated, you know? Right. But the fact is literally, and this was the big, like, you know, this is what I mean by like the learning curve thing as a teacher is like the fact is every single person, they're susceptible to blind spots at all times, you know, mm-hmm. every single person on earth. And that's what makes us human. And I feel like that should mm-hmm. be embraced, you know? Yeah. Like, it's okay. It's okay to fuck it up, but it's not it's okay, okay to deny it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, how else are you supposed to grow? You know, yes. you didn't come here knowing everything. No, no. <laughs> Nobody came here knowing everything. Nobody. Like, yeah. you know, everybody, like people who write books, you know, they don't 
fully live by the things that they wrote you know like they no. they're always still trying every day to you know mm -hmm. um rise up to the challenges of every single day so mm -hmm. just it's like you know if we work in arts and humanities let's be humane to one another let's really um, understand what humanism and humanity is and part of that is recognizing that like the words you write and the life you live are very different you know it's like it's trying to make those two points merge at all times so yeah again I, I would say those those are the A minus people like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that have a problem with an A minus <laughs> The A minus A minus people. people. Yes, their mothers wore those long ass fur coats and yelled at their biology <laughs> teachers. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh let's get into some flashcard questions. So the okay. the show that um, I'm talking about in this episode is called The Greatest Love. It came out in 2011. And it's a rom com. And I chose this. I was uh -huh. like, you know, like Kimberly Clark, she she reminds me of like a sweet, funny rom-com. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Somebody it's... called me Black Julia Roberts. I cracked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Because okay. of my big, toothy smile. Yeah, I could kind of see that. And also, like, Julia Roberts, like, she's strong, you know? There's like... Mm -hmm. she's like empowering at least like it's not like what's her face like Anne Hathaway or some bullshit you know what I mean like, <laughs> oh, no. that would be an insult no offense to Anne Hathaway or her family. oh gosh I can't but yeah okay <laughs> yeah Julia Roberts queen of rom-coms yes I'm down okay so I'm gonna um, give you some flashcard scenarios uh, based on the show and I, I would just mm -hmm. ask you like what would you do if you were in that situation so um, okay. Like, let's say you used to be in a pretty popular K-pop girl group back in like 2001. Your name's uh, Kuei Jung, but the mm -hmm. group disbanded, and when it disbanded, everybody blamed you for it. They said you were the reason, and that mm -hmm. led to your your downfall as a celebrity. Now you're like like a D-lister celeb. And uh, mm -hmm. nobody respects you. Everybody treats you like crap, but you still work in the industry. What do you do? You know what? First of all, <clears throat> if everybody blamed me, I would just leave the country <laughs> and not even go back to the industry. Like that wouldn't even be <laughs> the end of my bio. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I went from A-lister to B-lister. Yeah. I mean, it's better to go from B-lister to A-lister. Yes. So if I was doing that backwards uh -huh. decline, I definitely would leave the country, go backpacking, mm. I don't know, and just do something else in another part of the world okay. where nobody knew who I was. Like, that would be the perfect mm. scenario for me if I was in that situation. I don't understand why people keep trying to make it work that already like, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you already reached the peak, but I mean, I get it because especially most K-pop stars yes. are what, like nine <laughs> when they start. <laughs> I mean, they're super young. Yeah. Like they're, they're super children. Super young. <laughs> yes. And, and then they reach like their, you know, their peak of success when they're like, 20 if that 17 and you're all washed up and, and then old. it's like life is over yeah you know and it's 
you know, and even on a serious note with the suicides, oh, yeah. you know, of some of those stars too that I've read about, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, wow, you know, you have all of this success so quickly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's time to do something completely different, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what I would do. I would just see another part of the world and don't even look at those people ever again. Yeah. And they could blame them all they want. Yeah. That's a very <laughs> yeah. healthy response. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but, Brian, right, the, so, that's what quarantine will do for you. Yeah. Lots of therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Self-care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Self-care. Yeah. Go to the people who want you. Stay away from the people who don't want you. Yeah. So yes. pragmatic. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so let's say you're a hot, handsome man brat, okay? Oh, boy. You're a hot, handsome man brat. You're a superstar, okay? You're in your 30s. Uh-huh. Your, your name's Tokujin. You, you were a, you're a big-time actor in films, you know, TV shows. And then you meet this washed-up former K-pop star loser, Kuejung, and you find her uh-huh. really pathetic, you know? But one day, you see her get slapped in the face by her former mm-hmm. manager, like it happens in front of you and her face turns red and she even starts to get a nosebleed. What do you do? I will punch that dude out. <laughs> Is her manager a dude? Yeah. Yeah, I'll punch him out for sure. <laughs> Just come in. That's what her. a real man should do. Is <laughs> mm. like, you know, if there are men listening to this, you need to punch that dude out. Mm-hmm. If you ever see another man disrespect a woman like that mm-hmm. physically yes um you need to jump in yeah and that's what i would do if i what's his name Clajon? <laughs> this his name <laughs> Clajon, like he's french all of a sudden he's like french canadian <laughs> You know what? As I was saying it, something in my head was like, don't even try it. But I went and I did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, his name is, it's it's a tricky name. It's Tokojin is his name. Um, Tokojin. Tokojin, yeah. That's the, the superstar's Tokujin. name. So, so let's say you're the same uh, bratty superstar Tokojin guy. Uh, would you say earlier Jean-Claude or whatever? Yeah, let's say you're... you're I don't yeah. know what I said. <laughs> the, the Canadian French dude. <laughs> yes. And uh, you, you had heart surgery about 10 years ago. Okay. So that's in your medical history. But whenever you hear this one song that Kuejung, this washed up K-pop star chick, like whenever one of her songs plays, your heart starts to beat uncontrollably. Like, what this w- makes me want to watch this show now. <laughs> like, this is really interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, what would you do if, if this kept happening? Huh, that's really weird. <laughs> I guess I would kind of take it as a, a sign, like, well, maybe this person is supposed to be in my life or something. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. You believe in fatalism? Like, you believe in love and fate and things like that i i really don't like the word fate but i do believe in uh synergy and Mm. you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. everything happens for a reason type of thing everything lays out a certain way for a reason okay sweet for your benefit for your good yeah Mm -hmm. okay cool all right so last flashcard question Let's say mm-hmm. you're the former 
K-pop chick, Kuejung, you and the bratty superstar guy, Tokujin, you guys share the same agency, okay? And oh the two of you are now in love. You guys like each other, okay? And your uh-huh. talent agent tells you in private to stop seeing him because you might ruin his reputation. What do you do? Because I might, oh, because the fact that I'm washed up and he's like mm-hmm. higher up or mm-hmm. whatever. Wow. I feel like that happens a lot in Hollywood, you know? <laughs> that happens like all the, I feel like that happens more often than not. Mm. Uh, that's jacked up. <laughs> Look, I I don't know. I'm a, I hate, first of all, I hate being told what to do. <laughs> so that's a problem already <laughs> i will listen to the agent and be like mm-hmm, okay and then i'm gonna do what i want to do and <laughs> continue to see him yeah but who's gonna stop me yeah yeah i mean there's ways of sometimes when you sneak around too that makes it even hotter right <laughs> it does <laughs> <laughs> all right Congratulations on the the TV thing. That's that's great. Thank you. And I know Thank that you, you got that some. I can't talk about yeah. None of us can talk about <laughs> it. I know you have some other big thing that that's coming too, and like big congratulations on that. Yeah. So yeah. Well deserved. I'm a fan of your comedy. So yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. So next week we're going to talk about one of my favorite Korean dramas of all time. It's called My Lovely Samsun. Okay. Or Neidum and Kim Samsun, right? And uh, it's just, it's an amazing show. Like, it's a classic. It's a classic K drama. Let's put it that way. It stars Hyunbin. In fact, this is the show that kind of launched his career. It put him on the map and it made everybody realize, like, what an amazing star, right? Like Hyunbin is. Um, so it's a show that's worth seeing if you have not seen it. It's a feel-good drama similar to The Greatest Love. I think we all kind of need it, especially in the winter months, right? I mean, it's cold. It's cold and it's wintry. So let's get down with some of these feel-good dramas. I believe this is set during the summer, okay? So, yeah, we'll we'll see some nice some nice scenes throughout this drama. So that's the show we'll be talking about. And folks, as always, if you have questions for me, please email me email me kdramaschool at gmail.com you could follow me on all the socials at kdramaschool all the socials it's the same at kdramaschool it's the same if you haven't already please um like and subscribe okay i don't know what you're liking and what you're subscribing to you could be subscribing to anything subscribing to apple you know apple podcasts or um subscribing on youtube but please do it if you haven't left us a review please leave us some some nice reviews leave us nice five stars on on apple that'd be great that would help me out so much and um visit our website kdramaschool.com if you haven't visited already there's some nice little info things on the website so check it out and um as always thank you so much for tuning in and i will see you all next week